0: Have you ever sensed God was calling you to something far better or away from something really bad? And yet when he, when you sensed that call, you were too afraid to follow. You see, that's what fear does to us. Fear robs us of God's best for us. It's over 400 years in Egypt since the death of Joseph and Moses was called by God to something better. He was going to be the leader who moved Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land. God appeared to him in a supernatural burning bush telling him to do that and Moses had all those fears he just said no I'm not I'm not eloquent at speech and I've got a bad history in the, in the background and you are asking me to go to a place I fled and then to lead that place I fled and God said remember I'm with you and I will provide a spokesman for you and I will deliver my people who are in slavery out of Egypt and into the land I promised them so He steps out in faith, fearful faith at that, and appears before Pharaoh and says, God says, let my people go. We want to go out into the wilderness to worship God. And Pharaoh says, no, no. And as a matter of fact, since you even asked this, I'm going to make life worse. You don't get any straw to build bricks. So you're going to have to gather your own straw. He made life worse rather than better for the children of Israel. And then the people said, what in the world, Moses, are you doing? You made things things worse for us. What's going on here? And God appeared to Moses again. And in Exodus chapter 6, we come across what he said to him. Look at Exodus chapter 6, beginning with verse 5. He says, moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. You see what God was telling them? He was telling them, I love you. You're mine. I promise to bless you, and I will deliver you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I will take you into that promise, and I will deliver you the promised land that I promised your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Will you trust me? will you follow me so moses goes before the people look at verse look at verse 9 there it says moses spoke thus to the people of israel but they did not listen to moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery let's just look at that last verse because i think that really shows us where our fears come from he says they didn't listen to moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery Two things within us. One one is within us, excuse me, a broken spirit. It's that feeling of inadequacy that you have a power that's happening in you or around you that you fear more than you do the power of God. It's that insecurity. We all have them. We all have them. It's just where is it coming from? It's coming from inside something with inside me that has broken my spirit. What's broken your spirit right now? What's preventing you that's with inside you, that's preventing you from living as a person of faith and therefore you're, you're surrounded by your fears? For some it might be a failure, failure of a relationship, failure of a job, failure of a marriage, failure of uh, in, in being a moral person. What is it inside you that has broken your spirit? And then, because of harsh slavery, that's the fear of challenges around you. What's happening around you? Some of us go, boy, there's things within me, but it's caused by things that are happening around me. We've got corporate, you know, scale downs. We've got we've got uh, an economy that's uncertain. We've got tension all around me, relational tension all around me, dysfunctional family all around me, dysfunctional friends all around me, a workplace that's not getting along. I, these things are happening around me and I fear about them and I stay up at, late at night worrying about them and I have anxiety as I go through them. What is it that's happening within you? What is, is it that's happening around you that you fear and that you worry and that you're anxious about? I want you to write it down on your notes right now. What is it? Is it a person? Is it an event? Is it a fear of the future of what could happen? Write it down on your notes right now. If it's a name of someone that you're not trusting God with. If it's a circumstance. If it's a diagnosis you've just received. Write it down. Because here's what I want to do today. I want to call you away from that fear. And into faith. And I'm not the one who's going to do it. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to do it. As we go to... What's known in the scriptures as the pinnacle, the pinnacle of our security, the summit of our security in the Bible. You see, up to this point, we've learned in this series that we are loved. We're loved by a God who knows everything about us and chooses to love us anyway. We're loved by Jesus who loved us and gave up himself for us. That's what love is. It's the giving up of ourselves for someone else, not the getting It's in giving. We have also learned that we're forgiven. That God has taken our sin as far as the East is from the West. So has He removed our transgressions from us. And He's done it through Christ. Christ paid the price. And because of that, we have the righteousness of God in our lives. Thirdly, last week we learned that we're accepted. That we have the favor of God, that we now have fellowship with God, and now we have the filling of the Holy Spirit to remind us that we're his son, we're his child. And we're called to live in that acceptance, and not just accepting God's love in our lives, but also accepting others around us as Jesus welcomed us. Well, today we're going to learn that we're secure. There's no better passage to show us that than Romans chapter 8. Would you turn there with me? Romans chapter 8 has, is probably one of the most written about uh, passages of scripture in the whole Bible. There's a, uh, I was reading one commentary on it. There was a three-volume set on Romans 8 alone because it's so rich. And I don't think we're going to be able to mine all the greatness and the riches out of God's word this morning by just a few minutes looking at Romans 8. But I want to kind of give you a view from the top. And it's my hope that as we spend time in God's word today, you would get a greater appetite for it and you would have a greater will to study it throughout the week as we touch on it today. But in Romans 8, Paul is going to tell us that we are secure in Christ and we're kept secure because of the promises of God, not by your own works. You don't have to keep being good to have God continue to keep loving you. You're accepted. You're you're secure in Christ. And he's going to call us away from three key fears that we have. And, and into faith. All because of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You see, fear is the result of a lack of security. I think about those of us who are fearful of um, relationships. Relationships. And fearful of a relationship going bad or a relationship after you've been hurt by it and and I think about When you don't feel safe with someone What do you do? You worry about it You lose your identity and you try to conform to whatever identity they want you to be I think about fear of finances and I think about how you know when the Dow Jones Industrial dropped 500 points in a day and how our country just kind of everyone goes, what's happening? We all get fearful. I think about a country in Egypt right now that has a lack of security since Wednesday. 800 people have been killed in the streets of Cairo. And, and the church right now is being persecuted because that's the one place people are pointing their finger at is this is coming from. Folks, there's nations that have a lack of security. But what this passage in Romans 8, Paul wants to just call us away from is we have security in Christ. It's because of Jesus Christ. I can be fearless because I'm secure in Christ. That's the liberation of the gospel that proclaims to us that we don't have to fear. We can be fearless because we're secure in Christ. And so that's why without Christ, fear's going to be a compulsion. You're just going to fear. And without Christ, you ought to fear. You ought to fear what's going to happen in the world around you. You ought to fear what's going to happen in your relationship with God. But with Christ, fear is a choice. It's a choice. And so whatever you wrote down, whether it's a person or circumstance in your life or a diagnosis in your life, you're going to fear about it. It's your choice with Christ because Christ came to deliver us from being dominated by fear. And so let's take a look at these three invitations by Apostle Paul to move us away from fear and into faith. The first one's in the first verse of Romans chapter 8. Let's read it. It says this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, I can live, first of all, without the fear of condemnation. Why? Because Jesus is our liberation from condemnation. See, we're responsible to God for our sin. We're all accountable to God for our sin. But what Jesus has done is he's taken that sin from us and he's laid it on himself on the cross. That's what God did as the righteous judge. He took my sin and your sin and he placed it on his son, Jesus, on the cross so that when Jesus died, he fully paid and he fully satisfied the debt of my sin and yours to God. Fully. Therefore, God's no longer against us. God is for us. Now, we all hate condemnation. It's expressed in these words, don't judge me. That's our American motto, especially when it comes to the church. Don't judge me. And it changes our theology. Because if we don't like condemnation, then we cannot view God as a God who is just and righteous. We just see him as this Santa Claus up in the sky. Who's just this nice guy who deserves to give us, if we're good, we get it, what we deserve. And, and condemnation, we don't like that. But the reality is, according to the scriptures, is that we deserve condemnation. We all do. None of us deserve grace. That's why it's grace. It's undeserved favor of God. But what Jesus has done is he settled the debt for us. He's taken on himself what was due us. And even though we hate condemnation, we hate condemnation until someone wrongs us. Then we love justice. See, that's our culture right now. I uh, don't judge me, but as soon as someone messes with me, oh man, let's get them. You know, rights. Let's, let's get our right to a, to a justice in this world. We, we can't be inconsistent. And Jesus Christ brings him in. He's both our judge and he is the one who justifies the ungodly. There's no condemnation with Jesus when you have him by faith. Why? Because God is in you, Paul is going to say. God is in you. The spirit of the living God is in you. And when you trust in Christ, you have no condemnation. Because of faith in him, we don't have to live any longer controlled by the flesh. We have the option of living by the flesh or living by the spirit. Paul calls us out of that. And he starts out with your heavenly father is no longer against you he's for you and he's in you he's put the holy spirit to live in our hearts and that holy spirit's one of his ministries in our lives one of his works in our lives to remind us you're no longer a slave to sin you're a son you're no longer have a slave master who's over you who wants to destroy you you have a heavenly father who wants to love you as his child You no longer have lost your inheritance with Christ. You've gained your inheritance. The promise of God is a reality in your life. See, there's no more condemnation. Do you see how liberating this is for us? See, most of the world views religion as God or whatever gods there are up there wanting to get at you. And so you're always in life, you're looking over your shoulder like, what have I done to deserve this? And you look at the reality as God, whenever you have a bad day, whenever you go through suffering, you go, what did I do to deserve this? Because you get what you deserve with God. And with the God of the scriptures, the God of the Bible, you don't get what you deserve. But you get everything he is. You get grace. There's no condemnation with God. You know what it's like to live in a dysfunctional family where you're accepted by your performance. And then you know those relationships that that just accept you the way you are and how freeing that is. This is Jesus. This is a relationship with God. No condemnation. Secondly, the Apostle Paul calls us away from desperation. You see, you can live without the fear of desperation. I want to just move to verse 18. And again, I mentioned to you, we're going to look at the summit of the perspective, not just looking at every verse here, but verse 18 says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. This is an interesting thing because here's the second invitation. It's It's calling us away from desperation. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever been desperate in life? Have you ever been desperate? Can you ever think of a time when you were desperate? People don't like to live being desperate. Because you don't make your best decisions when you're desperate. Every time I talk to someone who's lost a relationship or they've lost something and they have this feeling and this fear of desperation. They usually aren't making great decisions. They they tend to go, well, I I just don't want to lose this person. Why don't you want to lose this person? Why don't you want to step away from an unhealthy relationship? Because I'll be lonely and I've got nothing. No, you have Jesus. You have Jesus. Yeah, but, yeah, but. We operate most of our lives with Jesus like, yeah, but. And that's a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith. We have to be people who live with hope. See, that's why we can step away from desperation is because God is for you. Paul says later on, if God is for us, who can be against us? There's never a time when we don't have hope with Jesus. We have hope with Christ. And that means when we go through daily suffering that drains us of life, the story's not over. The gospel is still alive in us. Here Paul talks in this passage about creation groaning. And we even get images of Egypt. Way back in Exodus 6, when Egypt, the Egyptians were groaning with the suffering under slavery that they had by the Egyptians. And here Paul kind of takes those images and says creation is groaning. It's groaning for the great reckoning. See, creation suffered when we walked away. When Adam and Eve turned away from God, All creation, the curse has happened and mosquitoes moved from being with us to against us and all those other things that annoy us and frustrate us have happened because creation has been affected by the fall and we are groaning. There's hurt and there's brokenness and there's exploitation and there's loss in our world and we groan each day. Even with Jesus, we groan for a better world. And when, when we get involved with those who are hurting and those who have lost and those who have gone, are going through poverty and those who are broken, we realize we groan because we see they're groaning. Revelation 6.10 even talks about how the saints in heaven who are martyred groan and they say, They cry out with a loud voice, oh, sovereign Lord, holy and true. How long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? It's like it even goes back to Old Testament prophets who when when the world around them wasn't following God, when the world around them was against God, they would go, how long, oh, God, will you wait how long David said, "Will wicked men pursue my life before you won't defend me, God?" How long? That's a healthy, that's a healthy picture, but it's not desperation. It's an expression of faith and hope. Because God is seeing it and he does see it and he will express his judgment. And we can trust that. And that's why this great reckoning when Christ returns and and all brokenness, all sickness, and evil, and hatred, and corruption, and bondage from sin, will he will turn our groaning into glory. It's like my good friend Jim Congdon says, our suffering right now is, is but a drop. God's glory is an ocean. And that drop right now, it's so easy to get wrapped up in that drop. But all of eternity will remind us. It's an ocean of God's glory that we'll be in. See, so we don't have to live with fear of desperation. Paul, Paul didn't live with this. And he's going to list for us everything, everything that he could have been desperate about. He, says, he said, what about tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, any of those things? Can anything? And then he moves this into the next area, the next invitation out of fear. And that's the invitation out of the fear of separation. Can anything separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? And he says in verse 38 and 39, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See this? He, he lists it, and I'm glad he does. But he starts out and he says, can death, I mean, that's not one thing we fear all the time, right? Because death is the separation of people we love with us, and we fear it. We fear it. We fear losing people. Do we have the right with Christ to let those fears... Move us out of faith. No, not even with death. When life is hard, should that move us out of the love of God, of understanding that God still loves us? No, he says. Nothing separates us. Angels, rulers, presence, things right now in your life, things in the future that could come in your life that are uncertain, that perception just kind of rules the day for us. Powers, anything above you. A weather pattern, a hurricane, anything below you. An earthquake or the oceans blow. Paul says nothing else, just in case you had something that wasn't listed here. Nothing else. No thing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. All creation is under the authority of its creator and nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus why is it then that we have separation anxiety? We deal with it every week in our nursery. We put a kid in. We take a parent out. And sometimes parents are crying, just like their kids as they're separating from there. And it goes on. And we put them into school in kindergarten. And how many of you mothers, not show of hands, how many of you mothers cried as you saw that little boy or little girl hop up onto the bus as they left your home? just for six hours or seven hours? Or how many of us, when we send our kids away this week or previous weeks to a college environment and the house is a little quieter and it's not the same, can we trust God with our kids? See, last year at this time, I realized it was my last year with my oldest son, James, and man, it was it was getting the worst at me. And I was thinking, oh, I've got to make this year the best because he's not going to be here anymore. And man, our house is going to just be a mess without him. And and then I started to pray about it and step away from fear and some godly counsel in my wife, in my life. Excuse me, happened to be my wife, but. Uh, Happen to say, isn't James everything we've asked God, even beyond what we ask God for? Yeah. Isn't he serving the Lord even better than we prayed for? Absolutely. Don't you think he's better in the hands of a loving heavenly father? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Isn't it okay to leave him? Because Joe, the alternative is that he stays in your basement until he's 45. And you think <laughs> it's time for him to leave. And I just started, I know it's crazy as it is. I just started running through that scenario. Dad, can I go out today? Nope, stay in the basement. (laughs) Dad, I'm 32. Can I go out? No, sorry. Can't go out because I want you here. I want you to stay at home. You're safe here. And we love you and you love us. Let's just stay here. No, he'd cry out every day to us. Let me go. Would you let me go? let me separate so that God can do in me what he's done in you? See, let's just take whether it's a child away from it. What is it in your basement that's crying out for liberation that you're keeping because you're afraid to separate from? It can be a habit. It can be the God of comfort. It can be a person that you're limiting because you're too afraid to trust God with. Folks, we've got to get to that point where we no longer have fear of separation. Because my son, your body, whatever you're holding in, is much better in the hands of a loving Heavenly Father. Where nothing can separate him. See, that's the strength we want to pray for. Because God is with me. That's the picture. Throughout the scriptures, we're told, do not be afraid. Why? God always says that. Why? Why shouldn't you be afraid? Why? Because I am with you wherever you go. Do not fear. I am with you. How many times? Do a word study on that sometime, and you will step away from the fear of separation. Because God's with you. And he's going to love you. He's going to love you when he's with you. He's not going to condemn you anymore. That's the picture we have. You see, when someone dies and you mourn their loss, a very healthy thing to do is to trust in the hope that that loved one has with their heavenly father right now. Because The reality is, if our greatest fear is the loss of someone dear to us, I will guarantee you, everyone with Jesus right now is not saying, Boy, I wish I could get back to earth. Man, I miss the brokenness. I I miss creation and how messed up it is in some place. I miss pollution. I'd love to get back there. No, they're not saying that. And, And we have to come to the point where we release people to the hands of a loving heavenly father. And it's helpful if you can't get over the loss of someone to always take that step of faith where you trust them with him. So that's what I want you to do. Remember you wrote down what's that in you or what's happening around you that you fear right now. And I want you by faith to take that. Just hold that sheet of paper And let's just hand that to the Lord. Just picture it going to Him. A God who you have no fear of condemnation. A life where you have no fear of desperation. And a a future where you should have no fear of separation. Folks, it's a choice now. You've been shown a way through the Holy Spirit to help guide you away from fear and into faith. We have to trust Him. Are you willing to do that? Let's just bow our heads right now and just say this to God. Whatever you wrote down there, I want you to say, God, I trust you with, and just name it, whatever you wrote down there. Heavenly Father, we trust you with these things. You've seen our heart, you've seen our faith that's, that's wanting to move away from fear and into everything you have for us. Lord, you are the one who liberates us from fear, fear of condemnation, desperation and separation. We trust in you. I pray for my brothers and sisters here who maybe some for the first time decided today to walk by faith, no longer by sight. We trust the situation, whether inside or around them. We trust the habit or the hurt or the broken spirit or the bondage that they've been in when they came here. And we ask you, through your Holy Spirit, to live in them, to be for them, and to be with them as they take these steps of faith. For it's in the name of Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that we pray. Amen.